0: We're live in three, two. It feels good to be back. Welcome in, all you brainiacs out there. This is your host, Slapdog, and I have been on somewhat of a hiatus. We've not had an episode in two weeks, so it feels good to get back on the microphone. I am joined here today by our producer, Scott Del Rey. Scotty, how have you been, brother?
1: Oh, I'm great. Coming off a nice vacation in the Ozarks myself. I'm revitalized, ready for football season. I came back and realized... We're just close enough to start getting real excited about this. I've got a dynasty startup that's starting drafting tomorrow, which, by the way, don't tell any of my league mates, but I'll be relying on you and the other daddy brains heavily.
0: I didn't know this. I'm actually really excited to hear about this. I just found out today. Kind of have some buy-in now.
1: Yeah, it's the most expensive fantasy league I've ever been in with a lot of money on the line. So I'm hoping to win it. And I don't know almost anyone in this league because I got in it's my my wife's cousin invited me and so it's all his friends. Okay. So I plan on just kicking ass and taking names, hopefully.
0: I uh, see I so here's my thought. Is whenever I I do a fantasy league with other people that I don't know. I tend to enjoy those just a little bit more because like you you play with friends for so long or coworkers or what have you and you kind of start to understand like okay this person is high on this person this person you know like everybody starts to kind of understand the flow of fantasy football and, and eventually get it so when you play with a new group of people it's like this person might severely outvalue someone and you can kind of get a steal or vice versa so it's really fun I enjoy it when it's just a group of people that you really don't know that well and then you can just shit talk the entire nfl season which is only 50 days away by the way
1: yes very exciting and yeah i told my uh my wife's cousin that uh if all of his friends hate me by the end of this then i've done my job because i'm gonna just <laughs> do nothing but talk shit. i'm gonna be a fucking menace in this league it's gonna be awesome
0: that does sound really awesome well i'm happy to have you here It's right i'm happy to be here it's been a while um today we have a lot to talk about scotty we, we've got some ketchup we uh and i'm not talking about the condiment we got mm-hmm uh some signings for a big name wide receiver we're going to talk about the running back market right now because it is kind of crazy there's a lot going on that uh that pertains to those running backs and then we're going to talk about some busts baby we're going to talk about redraft leagues and some players to avoid so potential draft busts we got a lot to talk about scotty let's just get down to business baby let's do it let's get down let's get down to business all right, first piece of news here is DeAndre Hopkins signs a two-year deal with the Tennessee Titans. This is really, really big news. This was something that I, we'd kind of been waiting on. We'd been curious as to where he was going to go. I hate this landing spot for him. I don't know how you feel, and I'm curious to pick your brain, but I was not very excited to see that he signed with the Titans.
1: Yeah, I, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm going to talk a lot about this when we get to the bus, so I'll save most of it for that, but I think that this is an indicator that the titans might look a little bit different than what we've been seeing in recent years so i uh i'm interested to see how it goes i think the the titans right now are in a uh, you know shit or get off the pot type of year with all the aging assets that they have so i think they're going to come out balls to the wall
0: yeah this this really changes the trajectory for what i imagine for that team i and it's, it's crazy how one person can do that right because you look at their roster Derek Henry's getting old. They have a young Traylon Burks. There's a lot going on, and I don't want to steal all the thunder because I know you're going to talk about it here and when we get to our bus section, but it really is a very interesting signing because... And I think it shows that DeAndre Hopkins really wanted money more than maybe a ring necessarily because I think the, the Titans are certainly elevated with him signing there, but they are not a Super Bowl favorite. He could have went anywhere. He could have went to the Bills. He could have went to the, the Chiefs. He could have went to any team that he wanted to realistically and he's a top tier talent so he is a huge difference maker for him to go with the titans and get a two-year deal i think it just shows that it was probably a little bit more about the money than anything else i don't know how i feel about this i think there's a lot going on with the titans so we'll 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 put this on the bookshelf and come back to it in a little bit next piece of news here's Brees hall He's placed on the pup list today. The preseason pup does not mean he has to miss any time during the regular season, so I do want to clarify that. But he is not starting off on the right foot with his injury.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not really surprising. Obviously, they want to treat this uh, with as much care as they possibly can. The Jets are looking for a, uh, a historic season, so they want all of their weapons to be healthy and ready to go. So not really surprising, I think once we get closer to week one, this is going to be something to really keep an eye on to see if he's going to be back at the beginning of the season. I don't think he is. I think they're going to treat it with care for a little bit. Um, so again, not really surprising, but nothing to freak out about yet.
0: Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think, in, and we'll talk about it right now, the Saints running back room, um, Kendra Miller, rookie running back for the Saints has also been put on the pup list. So it, they said it was a non-football injury. I, I don't, I don't know how to take it. I mean, it, it, we're still early. But I am going to say this to anybody that plays fantasy football out there because here is a or dynasty football. Here's a huge tip. If you have a player that is on the pup list like Kendra Miller, you are now able to put him in a taxi slot. And I say that because... You can now free up a taxi slot. You can slide or excuse me, you can put him on the IR and move him off of the taxi slot. So it gives you an extra bench depth space. So if he was sitting on your taxi spot, move him out of there, put him in your IR and you can pick up somebody for free. Understand this. Now when he gets off the IR, then you have to move him back into that that, uh, taxi spot. But you get a free spot. So if there's somebody that you kind of want to take a dart throw on and maybe ride the high of of preseason camp, you can do so. So I just want to let you know you have the opportunity to pick somebody up for free if you're stashing someone like Kendry Miller on your taxi roster. But Alvin Kamara, the other running back for the Saints, he's been set free of all of his charges. So Kendra Miller, and and the reason that I bring him up aside from the fantasy tip, was he was kind of, he was a middle-of-the-round guy. There was some talk that he could end up kind of being the running back for this team because they signed Jamal Williams, and Jamal Williams was potentially in a position to be running back one, with Miller potentially backing him up because of Alvin Kamara and his legal charges so he was set free of all of these charges so he's cleared to play this season with the with the legalities coming to an end however the nfl has not yet ruled on a suspension for a potential violation of personal conduct policy i don't think it's going to happen personally that's just my take on it i i think that it's probably he's going to be fine but just wanted to throw that out there as, as note
1: See, I wouldn't be surprised if they do hand down a suspension, you know, and I'm not going to pretend to be totally involved in his case. I don't really know all the details about what exactly happened. Um, But obviously, the NFL has drawn a lot of scrutiny for all for the way that they're treating the gambling stuff. And there are people who are saying, okay, well, you know, gambling sure is an issue, but you also have people who are like, you know, beating their loved ones and that sort of thing. The NFL is kind of known for going easy on domestic violence and violence in general, so it wouldn't surprise me if they try to make an example out of Alvin Kamara as well and show that hey, we're not just cracking down on gambling, we're going to crack down on everything else. Uh, but again, the details of the case could completely alleviate him if he ends up if he didn't do anything wrong or wasn't in the wrong, whatever. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But it is something to keep an eye on
0: for sure. And then since we're talking about running back, Scotty, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, because neither of them have signed their franchise tags, which was on the deadline, which was this last Monday. So the turmoil continues with two of of the biggest running backs in their respective franchises. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot to unpack. So where would you like to begin, Scotty?
1: I don't know, man. This is a tough situation because, you know, on one hand, I get it. You know, someone like Saquon Barkley, someone like Josh Jacobs, these guys are the engines of their franchises. So it makes sense that they want to be respected in that way. But also from the NFL perspective, as we talked about a million times, the running back position is just not as valuable as it once was. And you've seen so many people, you know, so many franchises decide to pay their running backs and give them long-term contracts. And it like always backfires. You look at someone like Ezekiel Elliott and you see, okay, this is the problem that you can have when you give your running back a big contract and owe him all of this money because their shelf life is just so short. So, both sides to me have a totally legitimate argument to make. Um, it is kind of crazy. I, I don't know if it was you who added or if it was Alan who added this little graphic here, but it shows the average salary for an NFL running back in 2023, $1.81 million, and the average salary for an NFL kicker in 2023, $2.26 million. And that is kind of a crazy stat. I saw a there's a podcast interview kind of circling around with Saquon Barkley saying, um, you know, the, the leverage that I have is I could just not play, just hold out and not show up. And I don't want to do that, but I do have that option. And the, obviously the giants would really miss him, So it puts the franchise in a tough situation. I think we're probably just going to end up seeing kind of a mundane resolution to this, where they pay him a little bit more money and he's not totally happy, but it's enough to make him play. Um, and everyone just kind of gets on with their lives. I think, I think it's going to end up. Okay.
0: Yeah. I, I saw that graphic as well. And it, you got to stop and think for a second. Like, are running backs really that not that valuable? And and I don't want to discredit kickers because look, we're a pro kickers podcast. As long as it's not for fantasy football, but do these do these running backs really not matter that much? Do these running backs are are they kind of in that void where we don't need to pay them? I I think they are, and I, and not to say that they're not important, but that's how the league is viewing it. And you really start to look at it and. There's an argument to be made. Yeah, I, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs are two of the best running backs in the NFL. Like, nobody's going to sit here and argue that. But when you look at it from a team's perspective, I understand. And, and I, I'm i not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's right. And, and I don't know where you meet in the middle ground, but the shelf life for these that position is not very long. And mm-hmm. so when they want to get paid, sorry. You know, because there's so many other running backs that they could pay to come in and, and fill your role at a fraction of the price that some of these top tier guys want. They are difference makers. Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. and Josh Jacobs are different makers, difference makers when they're on the field, and I think these teams are really gonna hurt for it if they don't play. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, are either of these teams Super Bowl contending teams right now? Like, do you Do you put the cap space in place to pay these guys big money when you know that two years down the road, they're gonna be a fraction of what they were because they are, their bodies are starting to give out. So I see the argument from both sides. I hope they find some sort of resolution. I don't know what that is. I mean, obviously, it it's in some form of compensation. But the future for running backs, if I was a running back in the NFL right now, I think it's a really, really scary thing. Like, I would not want to play that position for a multitude of reasons. But from a financial perspective, I think that you're in a really tough spot because the league is figuring out that your shelf life is not that great.
1: Well, and not only that, but the entire game of football is changing where if if you have this bell cow beast of a running back like Derrick Henry, you know, you can run your entire offense through him and he'll be really, really effective. But what does that mean? It means you're not going to be putting up chiefs or bills or Bengals levels of points on the board which is what you need to do to win in today's nfl so you can have an awesome running back and they can be the best running back in the league but ultimately you have to find other weapons you have to find ways to get the ball into the end zone a bunch of times in order to find success in today's nfl so it's just the running back position is just screwed in a multitude of ways and so that's why i say you know i get where the NFL franchises are coming from, that they're like, this isn't really a good investment. You can be one of the best running backs in the league. It's not really a good investment. And so it kind of comes down to loyalty to a certain degree, to you know, the degree to which both the franchise and the player are willing to meet in the middle. You know, The player saying, I understand where you're coming from, and the team saying, well, you've been a great asset, so we're going to give you a little bit more than maybe we should. And that's, I think, what ultimately is going to happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's even, a, a allegedly, there's a running back group chat um, with some of the big name guys like Derrick Henry, Saquon Jacobs, and they—they're all pissed off about not being paid appropriately, and they—they—that's where this graphic came from. I think Derrick Henry had tweeted it out, so it's—it's it's interesting. I, I it's worth monitoring. I think we—and we've said this. I think we even said this on last season before the season started. We're starting to see a dynamic shift in the NFL where running backs are not like if you have a bell cow running back. That's for fantasy purposes. Certainly, somebody that's primed to own, and we've always known that. But I, we're starting to see a multiple, a multiple running backs in their usage pretty consistently in the NFL, where it's not just a bell cow anymore. So mm. we'll we'll see it continue. I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And I think, unfortunately, I think running backs are they're they're not paying for it, or maybe they are. I guess depending upon how you want to word it. Uh, next piece of news here: Have you had the opportunity to go look at that quarterback show? So I,
1: I haven't yet. Uh, my wife and I are both excited to watch it. I think uh, she says she's excited to watch it. I'll probably end up watching it by myself this weekend while she's working. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I am really looking forward to watching it. Obviously, Patty Mahomes, one of the stars of the show, is my guy. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an awesome insight.
0: It I So I watched the whole thing. Unfortunately, I was sick last Wednesday, so I was not able to record. So I, I laid on my couch and I watched the entire season in a day. And, and it was awesome. If you're a football fan, go check it out. It is the number 1 show on Netflix right now, and I just think it does such a good job of just like humanizing these these people that we put on such high pedestals and making you realize like hey yeah like maybe this is just a little I mean I'm still going to get pissed if they don't get me fantasy points don't get me wrong but maybe like these are also human beings too and they have families that they go home to and like there there is more to it than just fantasy football and or NFL throwing touchdowns like it was it was really cool to just show you what these 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 people go through on a day-to-day basis playing one of the most difficult positions in sports and like you said it's got it's got Patrick Mahomes of course and it it takes you through his whole journey from the beginning of the season all the way to the Super Bowl and obviously winning it it's got Kirk Cousins uh Kirko Chains that was really cool it it made me like Kirko Chains just a little bit more I was like man he's he's just he's just a dude and then it had um Marcus Mariota, the quarterback for the Falcons last year. He's now a backup for the Eagles, but it took you through his journey up until the point that he parted ways with the Falcons. So really, really cool show. If you're a football fan and have not checked it out yet, highly recommend you guys go check quarterback on Netflix. It was awesome. So Scotty, you ready to, uh, you ready to bust my friend.
1: Oh, I've been waiting all day to bust with you.
0: Oh God. All right. Let's talk about fantasy football draft bus for this upcoming season.
1: Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust.
0: (laughs) Scotty, why don't you start things off with your first bust that you have on your list? We each brought five.
1: Yeah, ten total. It's going to be a good list here. Um, I've got some controversial names on my list. I don't think this is one of them. I think if you're a savvy fantasy manager, this is a name that you've been skeptical about the entire offseason, and that is Evan Ingram. Um, Let me just pull up my notes here because... Evan Ingram obviously finished last year with a bang. You know, he finished the last four weeks of the season coming out, showing that he remembered how to play football all of a sudden, and it was spectacular. But I want you to keep in mind, if the NFL season ended in week 13 last year, Evan Ingram was outside of the top 20 tight ends. So he averaged through weeks one through 13, he averaged 4.5 targets per game and 5.4 targets fantasy points per game he would not even be on anyone's radar if it weren't for the last four weeks of the season so he did decide to go off made everyone really excited about him and you know fantasy managers we all suffer from this what have you done for me lately syndrome where we 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 remember the most recent thing and we sort of forget about everything else but the fact of the matter is is that this jags offense is crowded now with the addition of calvin ridley and the pass catching room, there's just not enough room for Evan Ingram to perform the way that he did the last four weeks of the season on a consistent basis for the entirety of the season. So, his stardom for that month is just enough to make fantasy managers overpay for him. Um, so, that's why I am looking past Evan Ingram. I would rather pick up a late round flyer, or someone like David Njoku, that you can get way later in rounds, that I think, assuming Deshaun Watson has, you know, remembers how to play football. Um, he's got just as much upside. Evan Ingram right now is going as the tight end eight, which is his ceiling. And he showed through the first 13 weeks of the season last year that his floor is outside the top 20. So you can draft him at a ceiling and hope that he gets there, or you can pick up another tight end that's going to be a better value for you in the long run.
0: So you mentioned he finishes tight end eight. Do you think that he finishes in? And I asked this question, Tight ends are a crapshoot. We, but we all know that. Like, if you don't have Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey, the tight end position for fantasy football is an absolute dumpster fire trying to guess week in and week out. Do you think he finishes in the top 10?
1: No. Um, I, I do think, you know, like I said, his seal, ceil- his ceiling, I think, is where he's being drafted at, which is a last year he finished his sixth. Um, but, Again, the, the likelihood of that happening with the addition of Calvin Ridley, the additional target competition, and by the way, this team didn't use Travis Etienne to the best of his ability out of the pa- or out of the backfield as well. So I think we're going to see way fewer targets going to Evan Ingram. I don't think he cracks the top ten.
0: Okay. I, you know what? I don't hate this one solely because of where his ADP is. I think, like most tight ends, it's kind of a dart throw week in and week out. But given where his ADP is, I, I think I tend to agree with you. And granted, I'm using Sleeper's ADP. So if you do not use Sleeper's ADP, there might be a little bit of a positional difference. But he's the 87th overall drafted player. He's going before Deshaun Watson, James Cook, Kadarius Toney, AJ Dillon, Najoku... I, I, I would rather probably have most of those people because I think he's kind of in that dart throw territory. Like you stated, a lot of people, when they play fantasy football, it's what have you done for me lately? Right. And so he finished with a bang. But I, I you know, Calvin Ridley's going to be back in his offense. Travis Etienne, like you mentioned, Tank Bigsby's going to be there now. So that could be a split backfield and, and Etienne could kind of eat up in the passing work as well. I expect him to not do, not do as well as he finished last year. So I I like that one. I I don't think it's, it's without, I don't think it's insane to say. So the first person I brought is Debo Samuel, Scotty Debo is the, uh, I'm, I'm fading him. I'm fading Debo Samuel. Currently he's being drafted as the wide receiver 16. So he's 38th overall. And I I have some alarming concerns with, with Debo here. So if you drafted Debo for the 2021 season, yeah, you got a freaking killer finish with him. He finishes wide receiver three which is great this last season. However, he finishes wide receiver 38 and Debo. He did miss four games this season. So he wasn't, he wasn't on a stellar pace to finish in and the wide receiver one anyway. So in fact, if Debo played every single game this season, he was averaging, I want to say 13 points a game. He would have finished his wide receiver 20. So if he missed no games, that's where he was averaging at. He would have finished at wide receiver 20. So you drafted him early second round last season, you still wouldn't have got the value out of him. So he saw most of his fantasy output the previous season in the run game when the 49ers were completely depleted at the running back position. They now have Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. We're gonna, They're both going to be spieling each other to try and keep each other healthy. And Debo's touches last year out of the backfield really went down. And that's where he saw a lot of his fantasy football production. So... That is very concerning for me. And then the icing on the cake is that we still don't know who's going to be the quarterback for the 49ers. We have absolutely no idea who's going to be playing quarterback. And it makes me hard-pressed to believe that with everything going on, with as many mouths to feed as there are in this 49ers offense, I don't think he's going to finish at wide receiver 16. I'm fading him drastically.
1: Yeah. And the thing about the 49ers is they're like the polar opposite of the Chiefs, but in a way, they're exactly the same. You you don't know who is going to be the one to go off any given week. You know, Christian McCaffrey is still very high on my list, but if your name's not Christian McCaffrey, I'm not overly excited to get anybody on this roster because there are just so many elite weapons. This is a great, great football team, but as a result, you don't know who is going to go off week in and week out. It makes being the manager of them, uh, you know, impossible.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Scotty, take it away.
1: Yeah. It's time to talk about those Tennessee Titans that we were alluding to at the beginning of this, uh, of the episode here. Um, I want to talk in particular about Derrick Henry now putting him on the bust list, I think is a little bit harsh, but I just wanted to take the opportunity to talk here. Um, We've discussed Derrick Henry for the last couple of seasons. People have noted, hey, he's getting kind of old. You know, running backs tend to hit a cliff at some point in time, and you don't want to be the one holding the bag when he completely falls off the radar. I don't think that that's going to happen to Derrick Henry over the next year or two. I think that he's still got enough gas in the tank to, to be perfectly effective. Obviously, we said this about him last year, that he might fall off, and then he ended up dominating, and he was great. But... The signing of DeAndre Hopkins makes me very, very, very nervous. Um, And the reason for that is because, like I said before, the Tennessee Titans are at a point where they need to shit or get off the pot, and they know it. All of their weapons are aging. Their quarterback is aging. Now they've signed an aging wide receiver. They have an aging running back. And they know they are teetering on on the edge of rebuild territory, so they want to make a splash right now, which is why they signed DeAndre Hopkins. What this tells me is that you know, they're not stupid over there in Nashville. They know that Derrick Henry is the key to this offense, and if they have any hope for a late season or postseason run, Derrick Henry needs to be healthy. So I think we're going to see Derrick Henry utilize this season – similarly to how we saw Austin Eckler utilized, which is they're not going to feed him the ball nearly as much to what we're used to seeing because they want to make sure he's healthy in case they have a chance at a postseason run. That's what we're going to see this season out of Tennessee. And the thing about Austin Eckler is that he has the benefit of being a great pass catching back. So he's able to make that up in fantasy points. Derrick Henry relies on that volume and he's got a ton of volume throughout his career. I think we're going to see a sharp decline and not to mention We have another year now of metrics on Derrick Henry, and we have a couple of things that should give you pause. For example, last season, he finished with his lowest point-per-game average that he's had since 2018. He also now has two consecutive seasons with under five yards per carry on average. These are signs that we typically see in running backs who are slowly aging and slowly falling off the cliff. So all of these things combined... I think Derrick Henry is still going to be a very usable fantasy asset, but I'm not jumping out of my seat to grab him because I'm concerned about his usage in comparison to what we're used to seeing from this offense.
0: Let me ask you this. Let's, let's look at it. The inverse of this situation Do you think that Hopkins going there could actually benefit Henry because now they're not stacking the box and there is a legitimate wide receiver threat that they have to now be concerned? Kind of like when A.J. Brown was there. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I I think theoretically it it certainly could. But again, the the problem that I see with Derrick Henry, even if his efficiency doesn't continue to take a step downward, I do think that his usage is going to. And what we've seen from Derrick Henry throughout his career is he's been a beast at, a, at running back because he's getting the ball 20 times a game, 25 times a game, 30 times a game. And if that decreases at all, it's not like this offense is the Bengals. It's not like they're the Chiefs. Their scoring opportunities aren't at that elite level yet. And part of the reason for that is because they've been running the ball so much. And I think when you take away opportunities from Derrick Henry, we're going to see a decline in his value. And again, I just want to reiterate you know, I'm not afraid of Derrick Henry. If he falls a little bit in drafts, I'm happy to take him. I just think that in comparison to what we're used to seeing from Derrick Henry, you know, the combination of his age, which obviously brings injury concerns, and this concern about usage, and the concern about a drop in efficiency, all of those things scream bust to me. And again, bust might be a little bit too harsh, but I do think that people are valuing him a little bit higher than maybe what he should be.
0: Let me ask you this, because looking at Derrick Henry's ADP, he's 17th overall on sleeper. Would you rather draft Amon Ross, St. Brown, or Derrick Henry?
1: Um, I think if you compare him to receivers, I'll pretty much always take receivers around that range, just because of my draft strategies. I'm I'm going receiver hev- heavy.
0: Okay, uh, Josh Jacobs is going after Derrick Henry. Would you take Jacobs over Henry?
1: Um, I view them pretty similarly. I would probably take I would probably take Henry over Jacobs, but as we get a little further in this episode, you'll find out why.
0: Okay, uh last one, Tony Pollard or Derrick Henry.
1: Um I I would rather take a receiver than either of okay. those guys. And okay. the reason for Tony Pollard just to touch base on him a little bit is we've never seen him in a bell cow role for an extended period of time. I don't know that we can trust him in that role. I think he's got a great opportunity, but we've never seen it. So I, you know, Derrick Henry has proven that he can do it. So I guess if I had to choose between them, I would choose Derrick Henry, but I'm taking a receiver at that spot.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I also am taking a receiver there, so um, you're not hurting my feelings at all because I think the wide receivers at the at the early onslaught are going to be very, very valuable. So, uh, and that's why I have Najee Harris. He's he's my uh, he's my second fade. He was our fade last year. We screamed from the heavens. Hey, don't touch this guy at his current ADP. Everybody was drafting him late first round, and it completely bit you in the ass. So, we we tried to warn you guys. He finishes RB fourteen last year, and uh, and that put him out of running back one range. So I'm here to warn you that there's I think there's a really good chance that this happens again. However, his ADP has been adjusted. He's currently being drafted as the RB twelve off the board, which I think is much more realistic when it comes to Naji. But I I still I still have my concerns. In the last two seasons, he has averaged less than four yards per carry. That is alarming. That is not good for a running back. And as we had stated last season, I will say it again, he is a receiving running back. He is very dependent upon getting touches out of the backfield via the quarterback. So his rookie season, he finishes RB3 overall. But a a majority of those fantasy points came from the passing work from Mr. Tree Trunks himself, a.k.a. Big Ben. Big Ben's not there anymore. They have a a second-year quarterback. I do expect Kenny Pickett to make some strides. I think that we do see some improvement, but I think that we still don't see that his usage in the passing game. I still don't think is going to be as great as Big Ben, and I'm I'm still fading him. I'm fading Najee Harris. There are other people, mostly receivers, right around that range that Najee's being drafted at, and I would much rather take a receiver than take a dart throw on Najee.
1: Yeah, 100%. And the thing about Najee you know, what we harped on last year and what is still true is the efficiency metrics are extremely concerning and the efficiency metrics. Well, when we're talking about yards per carry, obviously that refers to rushing plays, but that's an indicator of how elusive he is and how many tackles he's able to break. And you have to do that, whether you're catching the ball or running the ball. So to me, Najee Harris took a big step back after that rookie season. And we haven't really seen him come back yet. He finished the season pretty well, Uh, or or pretty solid, but ultimately I I agree with you. I would much rather have a receiver at that range than take a dart throw on Najee Harris, who, when, you know, we don't know what the future holds for him.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Who do you got for number three, Scotty? Uh, I've got Mr. Damian Pierce
1: and this one hurts my heart a little bit because I I love Damian Pierce. He is a great talent. I was very excited uh, to see him have the success that he had prior to his injury. Uh, but we've got a completely different situation here, and that situation comes in the form of Devin Singletary, who has been added to this backfield. Damian Pierce was a workhorse because the running backs he had behind him were nobodies, and not, no offense to Rex Burkhead because I'm a big, sexy Rexy fan as a Nebraska guy. Uh, but ultimately, okay, are you going to have Damian Pierce run the ball or are you going to take touches from Damian Pierce and give them to Rex Burkhead? That's just not going to happen, which is what we saw. That's why he had this bell cow roll. Devin Singletary is there now, and I'm not saying that Devin Singletary is going to you know, fight for that number one spot because I don't think that's going to happen, but Devin Singletary has a lot of gas left in, left in the tank. Even last season, he was competing with James James Cook for touches, and he was relatively limited in his time on the field, but he still finished, according to PFF, as a top 10 running back in terms of their rushing grade. So he's still got a lot left in the tank. And then on top of that, he also finished as a top 10 pass protector. So he is someone that, you know, Damian Pierce is great on the ground and he's great through the air, but on passing downs, they're going to cycle in uh, Devin Singletary in order to boost that pass protection. That's just going to happen. So you're going to see Damian Pierce lose those touches. He is not going to perform at the same level that we saw prior to his injury last year.
0: Yeah, Damian Pierce is somebody that like you bought in dynasty leagues because he was a bell cow running back and now he's kind of in that situation where I don't think he will be a bell cow. I think he'll certainly have his place in there, but it is a little concerning for me and they have a rookie quarterback. The, the Texans are just in a really weird kind of scary spot where I don't, I don't really want any piece of any of it until I figure out more of what's going on there. I agree with you. I think Damian Pierce, I think Singletary is going to play a role in that offense. I, I think Pierce is gonna gonna be the uh, not the beneficiary of that, I guess. Rather, yeah, um, he'll still
1: be good, but he's not yeah. gonna be the bell cow that we were
0: hoping. Yeah, uh, I have Michael Pittman is my third off the bot or off the chart, Scotty. Michael Pittman, I drafted him last year. I was super excited for him with uh, with Matt Ryan coming in. Was not at all what I wanted it to be. So Michael Pittman, he's a wide receiver one for the Colts. If you do not know, Pittman is currently the 27th wide receiver off of the board. So it's not actually that terrible when you look at his ADP. I, I think that's that's probably fair. I really do. But there's just other people that I like more than him that are going after him. And those being Brandon Iuk, Hollywood Brown, and Darren Waller. Those three people are going after Michael Pittman, and I would much rather have some of those other players after Michael Pittman, so I'm I'm fading him at his current ADP. I don't like that. The reason? He finished his wide receiver 20 last season, and I expect Pittman to continue to drop and fall out of that usable wide receiver 2 category that we saw last year. He's paired with a quarterback that is he's been gifted with the heavens athletically has shown that he still has tremendous strides to make in the passing game. So I do believe that Shane Steichen, who is the offensive or he's the head coach now for the uh, Colts. He was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. We saw him unlock some of Jalen hurts and Jalen hurts ability to take steps in the right direction, but I'm not willing to take that risk on a quarterback's rookie season. There are just other people that I would much rather have that are going out after Michael Pittman, then take the risk on Michael Pittman because I don't think Michael Pittman finishes as a usable wide receiver too.
1: So question from Yeti who added this in on our notes here. You Are you taking Pittman, Lockett, or Mike Evans if you had to choose?
0: If I had to choose between the three, I'm taking Lockett. Yep, Lockett same. to me is is the safest bet. Mike Evans, I actually almost put him on my, uh, my draft bus list because of the quarterback situation there. I ended up going in a different direction, but Tyler Lockett is the safest of the three, and I think Tyler Lockett is kind of in for a uh, a sad reality because I think that in three wide receiver set, I think there's a there's an argument to be made that uh, JSN comes in as the new wide receiver two for this team, and Lockett he's getting older. I still think he'll have usability in this offense, but I think we're going to see, start to see some touches being taken away from him and given a JSN. So that is a little concerning for me as well. But if I had to pick between the three, I would probably take oh, man. I'm talking myself out of Tyler Lockett. <laughs> I would take Tyler Lockett. I think, I think, I think he, yeah, just the quarterback play I think is, is the, the biggest motivator for me. But it's Pittman or, or Lockett. But I think I'm going to go Lockett as well.
1: Yeah. All right, my next one here, it's more of the more of the same, the what have you done for me lately kind of stuff, and it's George Kittle. Um, George Kittle has been a relatively consistent tight end as far as tight ends go, which isn't consistent at all. Uh, but last season, George Kittle found the end zone 11 times, and so that shot him up the boards, made him look really appealing, really valuable. The problem is, is that George Kittle hasn't scored more than six touchdowns in a season any other year in his career. Last year was a significant outlier, And uh, it's just not going to happen again is the problem. Um, He only saw, let me find the number here. He only saw 16 total red zone targets last year. Now for reference, Travis Kelsey saw double that number and the, During the eight games, um, when Kittle didn't score a touchdown, he was averaging 4.9 half PPR points a game. So you're looking at a real touchdown or bust kind of guy. And last year, it just so happened that he found the end zone a bunch. And when he did find the end zone, he he found the end zone six times against two different teams that ranked the worst in defense against the tight end position. So it's not like he was going out there and performing at this high level against high rated defenses. He just happened to go off against these low level defenses, the Cardinals included, I'm sorry to say. Okay. Um, and the the problem is, is that he's just not getting the looks in the red zone. There are so many weapons on this offense that it's just not someone that you can count on. And he's going much higher than a lot of other tight ends who have just as much upside that you can get way cheaper.
0: Yeah, Kittle's, Kittle, I mean, he's going at 46. And I would not touch him with a 10 foot pole at 46. I, I That to me is scary. I like George Kittle. I think he's fine, but not at that ADP. Like, DeAndre Hopkins is going after him, Justin Herbert, I'd I'd rather just sure up the quarterback position than take, because the tight end position is such a freaking crapshoot, like you said, and I, I'm not going to put Kittle up there, especially because we don't even know who the hell's going to be playing quarterback, as, as we mentioned. So, yeah, there's so many other people that I would rather have than George Kittle at the 46. That, to me, is just, that's way too expensive for a quarterback that I think you're going to have some issues that. A player that you're not going to see as much value with as as you probably had hoped so mm. I, I agree with you who i have is number four on my list list excuse me is the smoothest the buttery mm. smoothest route runner in the nfl his name is Devonte adams so since 2014 I, I looked this up today it took me an embarrassing amount of time how many times has De- Devonte adams finished in the top 10 do you think since when
1: 2014 Uh, seems like it should be a lot yeah but I'm guessing it's not given the question so I don't know
0: it's three Hmm. he's finished three seasons in the top 10 one of them being last year with the Raiders which is where he finishes wide receiver three overall which by the way I'm 100% surprised with if I'm being completely honest I I didn't believe that Derek Carr would be able to get him that high and finish in the top 10. So kudos to Derek Carr. I didn't think it was possible. But there's a reason, of course, that he made this list, and his name is none other than Jim Garoppolo. Jim. Jim, his new quarterback, Jimmy G, has never in his career been able to get a wide receiver to a top 10 finish. If you look really closely, there is an asterisk there because Debo Samuel did have a top 10 finish. But I'm not going to give Jimmy G any of the credit for that because As I had said earlier, Debo, he had his top 10 finish because of his rushing upside. At one point in time, he was pretty much the running back for the team, as well as catching balls out of the slot. So I'm not going to credit Jimmy G with helping Debo to that top 10 finish. I think Debo is the reason Debo had that top 10 finish. So aside from Debo, Jimmy G has never been able to get a wide receiver to a top 10 finish. And So that's a problem. And and then Jimmy G, he's not in Kyle Shanahan's offense anymore. As we have said before, Kyle Shanahan runs a very systematic offense where you don't need a high caliber level of play from a quarterback. You don't. You look at Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. He comes in and is relevant. Jimmy G, Jimmy G is not a good quarterback. I think the Raiders made a terrible mistake in drafting him. But Kyle Shanahan is the reason that he has been able to find success because he runs his offense so so well that you don't need greatness out of that position. And I think, and I'm I'm sorry, Eddie, if you're listening, but the Raiders are not a good team. And this team is going to be, it's going to be a train wreck, to be honest with you. And and it's going to be chaotic and underwhelming. And I'm concerned with how Devontae Adams is able to get the ball. My last piece. Here. Oh my gosh, excuse me. My last piece here is he's 31 years old this season. That, to me, that is an old wide receiver to be performing at such a high level. I don't think that should be used as an end-all, be-all metric, so I'm going to say that right now. But I am going to say it's worth noting that I do believe that we're going to start to see him slow down. And I think this is the year where we're going to start to see that decline because he's going to be playing with a mediocre quarterback think that is going to take a toll on him as well as just him continuing to age and get older. So Devontae Adams, I'm scared of him. I don't want to touch him. I will not be drafting Devontae Adams on any of my teams this year.
1: Yeah, I agree. The Raiders are a team to avoid pretty much in their entirety, and I'm going to continue that trend with my last uh, pick here, Josh Jacobs. Um now, Josh Jacobs, again, this is another one that calling him a bust is probably harsh. He's still going to be very, very usable in fantasy just because he's got that bell cow rule. He's on a team that doesn't have a lot of weapons. So he's going to get a lot of touches. The fact of the matter is that, you know, if you draft him on your team, just make sure you get a deal for him. Just make sure, you know, people are fading him and you pick him up at the right price. Um, But here's the thing about Josh Jacobs. If you look up the term outlier in the dictionary, you see Josh Jacobs' face next to his 2022 stats. Mm. Think about this. Josh Jacobs broke his record for single-season carries last season by almost 70 carries. 70. That's enough to make quite a big difference in terms of your stats. He also caught more passes last season than he did in the prior two seasons combined. So, we didn't see Josh Jacobs suddenly break out. What we saw is the Raiders decide to give him the ball a shit ton. And he's a very talented back. So, if you give him the ball a lot, he's going to perform. But the fact of the matter is, Josh Jacobs was on a contract here. This is a team that said, well, we're going to use him. We're going to run him into the ground. Now they've re signed him. He's no longer in that position. So, they're talking, you know, you're, you're talking about a running back now who is going to see regression in virtually every single metric and he's going to be used a lot but he's not going to be the josh jacobs that we saw last season so if you get him get him at a discount i'm not saying don't draft him but make sure you're not paying top dollar for this guy because he's not going to be the same josh jacobs in
0: 2023 yeah and i mean it stands to reason that there's a chance that he also might not play he could sit out and i'm not saying that is is realistic but it is something to monitor if Zemir White is sitting on your rosters in Dynasty formats or sitting in the waiver wire, you need to go grab him right now. And same thing for Matt Breida. If they're both just chilling on the waiver wire and you're playing Dynasty, you need to go get these guys because right now they are in contract. There, there's a feud there with the contract that we discussed earlier. What if they don't play? Somebody's got to play that running back position, and for fantasy purposes, you need to capitalize on that. So I agree with you. Uh, Josh Jacobs, to me, I... I think if he plays, I think he's okay. But it, I I do have concerns of when he's going to play. Is he going to try and hold out to keep himself healthy to try and find another team? There's just a lot going on there. Josh Jacobs kind of scares me. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with, with looking in other directions. And this last mm-hmm. person that I brought is certainly someone I'm going to look in a different direction than draft this person. And it's Anthony Richardson. So can someone for the love of god explain to me why anthony richardson is qb12 off of the board right now scotty he is going before kirk cousins geno smith daniel jones and jared goff do you know what all all of those quarterbacks have in common what's that they all finished in the top 10 last season four quarterbacks that finished in the top 10 last season are going after a rookie quarterback that has never played in the NFL before. What are we doing here, people? Look, I, I do not get me wrong. I love the upside that Anthony Richardson could possess, but do you really expect him to come in as a rookie and finish as a top 12 quarterback? Because I certainly do not. I'm not saying he couldn't, but I'm saying that's a huge risk to take while those above-mentioned quarterbacks are still sitting on the board and certainly not a risk that I'm willing to take. As I just said, he is a rookie, and statistically, we do not see rookie quarterbacks finish in the top 10. In fact, in the last 23 years, only six rookies have cracked a top 10 finish, right? Here's another one. Among 35 rookie quarterbacks who started at least 12 NFL games, 25 of them averaged fewer than 14 points. So, are we really sure that we want to draft him over other players who have a much safer floor, And I'm not saying Richardson is going to be a bust, but I'm saying that's a huge risk to take at the 12th quarterback off the board when some of these other quarterbacks who were previously quarterback ones last year are still sitting there. That's a risk I'm not willing to take. So Anthony Richardson, I am am putting on my fade list until his ADP drops to a more realistic level. If I'm not drafting him as my first quarterback, I'd feel much more comfortable, but I'm not taking him as my QB one.
1: Yeah. It really blows my mind that Daniel Jones is being drafted after him that because yeah. they offer pretty much the same upside. I mean, you're talking about Daniel Jones, who was an elite quarterback in terms of the rushing upside that they possessed for fantasy football and Daniel Jones, by the way, whose, whose situation has only improved since last season's top 10 finish. So it, it would it amazes me that Richardson would be drafted above him. I could see the argument if you're talking about okay, well, look at the rushing upside, you know, look at people like Justin Fields, look at people like Jalen Hurts, look at the rushing upside that a quarterback could possess and you want to invest in that. But if you have another quarterback who already finished in the top 10, who's in a better situation than he was last season, who also has rushing upside, it makes absolutely no sense to take the risk on the unknown. So I agree with you 100%. I would, you know, I would take Kirk Cousins over him and I would certainly take Daniel Jones over him.
0: Yeah. And the other thing to mention is like if you have not looked at tape on Anthony Richardson and you're just going into Reddit forums and just like, yeah, this guy is great. I'm going to buy him. Go. I, I implore you to go look at tape on him. Watch him because he is a he's athletically a freak, but he has a lot of work that needs to be done to develop him in the passing game to get him where he needs to be. And if we don't see him take those steps, I I don't think it's going to be pretty for his rookie season. So yeah, I'm I'm just not willing to take that risk at, at this time at that current ADP. So. We do have some questions here that were presented to us by our uh, our co-hosts who were unable to make it. So let's let's answer some of these. So the first question is which of these three quarterbacks do you feel most comfortable with if you miss out on the top guys? These three quarterbacks being Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, and Dak Prescott. Scotty, I will let you answer the first question. Go ahead.
1: Um, you know, honestly I'm not I wouldn't really be upset to have any of these guys. Um, I think all of them offer decent enough upside that if you're picking them up as your QB two, um, I think that they're going to be fine. I do think that Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence have the highest upside. So those potentially have that QB one upside. Where Right. Let's
0: just let's just have you rank them one, two, three.
1: Uh, I guess I would rank Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott. I'd rank them in that order. In that order. Um yeah, and, and the reason is, is just that the Jags offense is just a young, up-and-coming offense. You always want to buy into these offenses when they're on the upswing versus, obviously, when they're you know heading maybe over the peak. So I think Trevor Lawrence is a perfectly fine pick. Deshaun Watson is a big question mark, but we've seen his upside. We've seen what he can do. And obviously, last season, he had all the cobwebs that were riddled in him, and he could barely run. Um, but this season, we expect him to take another step in the right direction and hopefully return to some semblance of his former self. And Dak Prescott, the thing about him, him, is this is a team that doesn't have Ezekiel Elliott anymore. I think this is going to force them to throw the ball. I really do. I I you know, Yeti has talked about how he thinks that this is going to be a real unpredictable team and that he's real low on all these uh you know, all the Cowboys weapons that aren't named CD Lamb. Um but I think that this is a team that's going to have to throw the ball. Obviously, the Cowboys are consistent contenders. They haven't finished the job in forever, but they're consistent contenders. So Dak Prescott, to me, is, you know, again, probably not a QB1. Uh, but if I had him as my QB2, I think he's got a lot of upside. So I'm not upset about any of these guys, but I'd probably take Trevor Lawrence if I had to choose.
0: I'm going to go to Sean Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott. Oh, that's, that's my ranking. And solely because I'm a DJ and I love to gamble and take risks, and I'm going to do that with Deshaun Watson. I, I think a small part of me can't let go on who he was to me at one point before he couldn't keep his hands to himself. So there might be some personal bias in there, but I think Deshaun Watson could, if he finds, like you mentioned, semblance of his former self, I think he could be very good. So I'm going to take that risk, and I would do Deshaun Watson. But mm. I, Dak Prescott's easily third on the list for me. They lost their offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore, and I do. I tend to agree with Yeti in some respects. I think that they're going to struggle to find an identity on this team. Tony Pollard will be a big part of it, but he's still injured and is coming back from that. So there's just a lot of question marks, like you mentioned, and, and I'm kind of scared of that. So next question: Retire Chargers quarterback and maybe Hall of Fame quarterback Philip Rivers. Just announced he's having his 10th kid. So, Slaps and Scotty, how many kids is too many kids? I'm going to say this is the perfect number. I'm going to say this is the perfect number because now he has 10 kids and he can play quarterback and all of his children can fill up an entire NFL offense. So, Mm -hmm. I think this is the perfect number of kids.
1: I think he's coming out of retirement in 19 years when they're all old enough to be. All
0: of his kids are going to be NFL players and he's going to be the 50 year old. He's going to be the Tom Brady slinging to him (laughs) from the back. Yeah.
1: No, I, I agree. I think you know my general philosophy on kids is the more the better, as long as you can afford to keep them alive. And he's got plenty of money, so I'd say, you know, pump them out, do as do as much dude, as. Dude, that want. would
0: be I'm I on a realistic note though, like three kids is probably about where I'm at because ten kids, dude, I start forgetting their freaking names. Be like, which yeah. one are you
1: again? Well, we also have to think that like up until the last twenty years, it was normal to have huge families like this. Yeah, I mean, but
0: that's because of the like the chances of them surviving the first five years was not that great. So they just had to keep pumping them out. So that oh, way they well, wouldn't all die. We're
1: not talking about the 17th century. We're talking about 20 years ago, but I, I mean, I look at my own family and you know, my, my mom has nine brothers and sisters. My dad has nine brothers and sisters. That was a normal thing, especially I grew up Catholic. That's a Catholic thing. I've grown up around a ton of kids my entire life. So I, not weird to me at all. I think you should keep going.
0: I think you should get fixed. Philip Can Rivers, have his own? That's, that's just
1: reality show
0: yeah philip rivers plus 10 all right do you think Bajan and jameer gibbs would be thought of as highly if there wasn't so many question marks with all of the running backs lately are we being tricked into backup quarterback syndrome where the guy we haven't seen and it did cut us off here that the guy we have not seen could be the better player
1: are you asking me?
0: Yeah, no, I'm asking you that.
1: <laughs> oh. So, I guess I'm the only one here, so that makes sense. Um, I think Bajan has enough hype that he would be he would be this highly rated regardless of the situation. Um, because, you know, he's been described as a generational talent Obviously, he's got to prove that in the NFL, but I think he's he's one of those guys that's just one of those outliers that you expect to have success. Uh, and Jameer Gibbs, I think we're high on him because of the situation, and that does say something about the rest of the league and the running backs. I mean, we're there are so few bell cow running backs that we don't have this huge list of guys to put ahead of him. And you know, Jameer Gibbs is in a situation where he's going to get usage right away. And we also saw running backs have success in that offense last season, so I think that there's reason I, to be high
0: on him. I don't know if I'm I'm not I'm not buying into the Gibbs excitement yes i am to a to a degree just because of where he was drafted at i think he will certainly be used in this offense but i think david montgomery could be like a jamal williams-esque role in this offense where he's kind of like the goal back to try and mm. make sure gibbs doesn't get injured I think this is going to be more of a split backfield than a lot of people realize. And I think Gibbs is probably the RB1 in that offense. But I think that, you know, Montgomery's on a three year deal. So he's not going anywhere. Like he's going to be around for a little while. So I think they're going to work in tandem with each other a little bit more than people realize. But I I agree with you with Bajan. I think Bajan's in a really good spot to be a bail cow back. And that's what he's going to be. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I I think that, you know, talking about running backs, we kind of did a little bit earlier. Eckler's pissed off at his team, and, and this, these are notes that, that um, Allen Hood put on here. CMC is in usage hell because he gets used so much. Jonathan Taylor could run into an eight-man front all of this year. I mean, there's a lot going on with the running backs, and I think that we are seeing a dynamic shift in fantasy football for the running back usage to the point where – it's going to get and i don't want to say this because this sounds really silly to say but it could get to the point where running backs are kind of like this tight end position where it becomes more of a craft shoot on a week to week basis because you're just praying that one of them gets into the end zone and gets you the that that touchdown to kind of put you over the edge so i i don't think we're there yet but i think we're certainly trending in that direction which is really unfortunate because a lot of nfl teams are going to two down backs so mm. or um Man, a two man I mean, yeah, yeah, split you know back. Know split.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and the reason for that is because now that the market has taken such a dip, you, you can go out and get two half decent running backs, keep both of them healthy, and you can pay less than what you were paying your superstars. So, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Again, it's, it's, it's unfortunate in a lot of ways, especially from a fantasy perspective, but it's perfectly understandable from an NFL franchise perspective why you would want to have two maybe B-minus running backs versus one super expensive A-plus running back who's only going to be an A-plus for like two years.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, next question is, which player is more likely to disappoint this upcoming season? Ramondre, excuse me, Ramondre Stevenson or Kenneth Walker? You
1: take this one.
0: I think it's going to be... If I was to choose one of them, it would probably be... At this current time, the one that's more likely to disappoint is probably Kenneth Walker. Um, Romandre's in a really good position right now where he is. He was the focal running back last year. He is in that same position right now. And I say right now because there's rumors that playoff Lenny went... And uh, and this, this was just today... Leonard Fournette went and worked out with the Patriots. So there are still four big-name running backs that are that are currently free agents, being Leonard Fournette, Zeke, Dalvin Cook, and Kareem Hunt. So if one of those guys goes somewhere else, goes to a, where somebody's already a bell cow, I think it certainly is going to hurt them as far as their, their fantasy usage. Kenneth Walker, they signed Zach Char- Charbonnet. So I'm concerned that they went and got a running back this early or that early in the draft. That tells me that they kind of want to have more of that split backfield as well. So currently right now, I think Ramondre Stevenson is the safer bet.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I I'm real high on Ramondre, assuming that they don't go pick up another running back, which is, a a real possibility that they do but assuming that the situation stays as it is now i think i'm gonna have a lot of Ramondre on my fantasy teams um and you're right i mean kenneth walker is the crab shoot in this situation because Pete carroll put a big finger up to to all of seattle and said i like running the ball i'm gonna get a running back i don't give a shit because i'm gonna be dead in five years so he just went out Dude, my girlfriend
0: loves pete carroll Like she would leave me for him, which is kind of weird because he's like 80. So he's he's kind of like entering Betty White territory where we just should stop joking around about it because I'm kind of afraid that it might actually happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, he looks young when he's running around on the field, though. He does. How old is Pete Carroll? He's no Joe Biden. He looks spry.
0: Yeah. No, he does. How old is Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll is 71. He's got time. He's fine.
1: 71. Yeah. It's not even that old. He's good.
0: Yeah. He's okay. Um last question, and then we have a user submitted question after this, Scotty. So uh last question from our uh our staff is which top five running or excuse me, which top five wide receiver is most likely to bust this upcoming season? And we're talking bust, baby. So top five wide receivers being Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, or Stephonian Diggs which one do you think is most likely to bust? Uh, Obviously, it's kind of hard to say because all these guys are elite, top-tier, wide receivers, so it's tough, but the question was asked, and here we are.
1: Yeah, I I guess I've got kind of a two-sided answer. To me, the obvious answer is Cooper Cup because of the recent injury issues not just with him but with his quarterback if either one of those guys has issues the likelihood of of him busting is is very high Um, but I also want to add in Stefan Dix because this guy cannot figure out his own attitude and I could see that getting him in trouble I think on the field he's very talented I think that he doesn't have a ton of elite competition on that field so I think he's going to get the ball quite a bit it's also been shown that like Gabe Davis I don't think anyone does anymore. <laughs> uh, I, it's also been shown that Josh Allen does have a hard time getting the ball to Stefan Diggs in key situations, which leads to him getting pissed off. But it also demonstrates that, you know, maybe he's not, uh, you know, he's not getting as open as he should be or whatever. And maybe Josh Allen is just freaking out in the moment. But I think Diggs' attitude could be a problem. I think ultimately – I would have to give it to Cooper Cup because of the injury concerns on two key players in that offense.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you went first because I'm still sitting here struggling to just try and decide which one to choose. Tyreek Hill I just get a bad feeling on. We don't root for injury, but I just have like this just, just dark feeling that he's going to get hurt this year, and I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know why I'm thinking that, but that's kind of where I'm at. But yeah, I think I, if, if putting aside my dark feelings for Tyreek Hill – um, I think I tend to agree with you. I think Cooper Cup... The, the scary thing with Cooper Cup is is that offense has not changed. That offense has not changed in two years. Yes, he got hurt and Matt Stafford got hurt last year. But that offense hasn't changed. Like There's no other real pieces in this offense aside from Cooper Cup. So if defenses can figure out how to stop him, they couldn't in years previous. But if he is slow coming back from injury, I think that could be incredibly concerning for his fantasy football output because that's how he's been able to to do it is because he's been the lone the lone survivor on that team so i think cooper cup's probably the one i would target as well aside Mm. from my dreary feelings for no real reason uh we do have one question and then we'll get the heck out of here scotty it is from kevin d we appreciate your question oh kevin what up kevin he's a Steelers fan and he's got a complicated question for his keeper redraft league. So he gets to keep two players and they stay in the round that you drafted them in. So, and I believe these are the rounds. So I I think that's kind of how I'm reading this is round one, it was DeAndre Swift. Round two, it was CeeDee Lamb. Round three, it was Mike Williams. Four, it was Travis Etienne. Five, it was Adam Thielen. Six, it was Jamar Chase. Seven, it was Kyler Murray. Eight is A.J. Dillon. Nine, Brandon Ayuk. 10 naeem hines 11 albert O. 12 tyler boyd 13 cole Komet, and 14 jared cook i don't think you need to draft jared cook i think you're probably fine not to draft him <laughs> um i would be obviously the obvious choice is jamar chase of course you're getting a yeah. huge value there so he's obviously a very easy uh first one to keep he's you're getting him in the sixth round he's a he's a uh Obviously, a first round runner, uh, wide receiver. So um, it's last year you can keep him too, Kevin. That is sad. I hope he uh, he does well for you. The other one, I look for. You have to look for value in things like this, right? So, like C.D. Lamb is a, of course a great one, but he's already a second round wide receiver. So I'm going to tell you this: it depends on where you draft at in the second round. If you're drafting at the end of the second round, I, I think that. CD Lamb could probably be there for you, or like you could go ahead and take him. But if you're drafting early second round, CD Lamb's going to be there anyway. So, presumably. So, uh,. <sighs> I mean, it's Jamar. Who who are you taking as the other one? Like, I don't, I don't know. Brandon Ayuk is kind of spicy. Brandon Ayuk in the is ninth kind round. Of, that's where
1: my eyes are gravitating toward. His ADP, according to Fantasy Pros, got to be like a seventh. Is, he's like seventh round, sixty eighth overall. Yeah. So I think Brandon Ayuk is kind of where I am gravitating towards as well. I I do think CD Lamb though might be might be good enough that he's worth to keep. Um, obviously, you are keeping Jamar Chase. I guess Kevin, I do have one more question for you. As someone who drafted deandre swift in the first round as well how much do you hate dan campbell i need don't. i need you i need you be you to nice send kevin. A message and talk shit on dan campbell with me because this is I a trap
0: this is a trap kevin don't fall into his his games dan campbell but, uh, <laughs> you'd go to war for him just like <laughs> no. i would
1: no nobody would
0: Everybody would. Yeah, I think I think probably, I mean, of course, Jamar Chase for one. CD Lamb is where it gets interesting. I think it depends on where you're drafting at, but I would be probably willing to take the risk for CD anyway because he's already going in the second round. You get him in the second round, and you get to keep two top-tier wide receivers. So that's probably what I would end up doing. Um, ETN doesn't do it for me in the fourth because I think there's some concerns there with uh, Mr. Bigsby coming in. And I would say Kyler Murray in the seventh, but Kyler Murray is going to be out half the season with an injury anyway so that's my thoughts scotty is that is that okay with you generally agree
1: you got to choose between cd and iu depends on the rest of your roster swift
0: was sad he said swift was sad yeah no he was i agree with that all right scotty i appreciate you doing this here today we will be back next wednesday of course so hopefully you will be around and we can uh we can do some more football talk so it was, it was good doing this. If you're not following us on all the things, go follow us on all the things. Make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube. Give us a shout out. Tell your friends, good. tell your buddies, tell your mom, say, Hey, football season's 50 days away. Go check these we're, guys out. We're They're very kind of appealing handsome. to moms. I've yeah. We're, we're big I've mom heard. guys.
1: And and also go check out our website. Check out our newsletter. Make sure you subscribe to that. We got new stuff coming out this week and next week. So it'll be good
0: stuff for you. Into- dot. Go check it out. All right. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football
1: needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.